Okay. So the last point we were saying yesterday was that creation that's coming as a form of substance has this, so to speak, deficiency, meaning that it's not absolute divinity, even if it's formed in the highest world, the world of being, because it's not absolute divinity. There's some substance in it. And the example that the Rebbe gave was the bodies of the angels of the world of being. But, we go on to say today, that's the bodies of those angels. The souls of the angels of this highest world of being are not considered substance. They're considered a godly form. They're called to have emerged by the union of the kiss meaning in a very ethereal manner of the union of the divine attributes from which spiritual entities are emanating, such as the souls of the angels. So the bodies of these angels we're considering on some level substance, even though they're angels in the world of being. But the souls are considered divinity, are considered a manifestation of godliness. And similarly, though formed in a different way, the soul of man. So then also emerges in this highest world, the world of being, from a different type of union, from the union of the emotive attributes of God and sovereignty. That union between God's six emotions and sovereignty, from that emerges the souls, which is considered a more physical union than the union of the kiss from which the souls of the angels emerge. Why do we need to hear more physical union because the souls that are emerging here are going to become enclosed in actual physical bodies. But in the state when they exist in the world of being, before they descend to the lower world, they're not considered substance. They're not considered independent entity. They're considered godliness. So the souls of the angels in the world of being, godliness. The souls of man in the world of being, godliness. The bodies of the angels in the world of being? Substance. And the souls would descend to lower worlds? Substance. Now, even though, of course, we're calling them godliness, this is godliness with enormous intense contraction, because now it's a finite thing, so to speak. It's a soul, which is like the vessels of the divine attributes of the world of being, which, as we've explained at length earlier in this, on one hand, our divinity, and also by nature, are finite. Now, how could divinity be finite? Well, as we've explained, because of the enormous contraction of the infinite light of God within the ray, what in Kabbalistic language we call the kav, the beam of God's light that's vested in their energies, in the levels of soul of these ten divine attributes, that beam of God's light is so restricted, is so constricted that as it descends into the vessels of these divine asteroids of the world of being, it lacks the infinite illumination, even though that's truly the essence of this beam of light. And that's significant because this contraction, that we don't see it flowing in this infinite fashion, makes it possible for the vessels of the divine attributes to exist in this mode of limitation, even though they're absolutely one with the light, and they're absolutely nullified to light, and they have the same characteristics of divinity, 
and yet at the same time, they have a characteristics of finite. And just as that's true for the vessels of the divine attributes of the world of being, similarly it's true for the souls as they're still in the world of being and found in the world of being. But this contraction of that beam of God's light that's vested within the vessels of the divine attributes of the world of being, this is different than a normal contraction. In other words, we have levels and levels and levels of godly contraction, which means diminishment of God's illumination. But here it's more intense than that, because just like in the original primordial contraction that occurred for creation to be able to take place, that original primordial contraction was not only a diminishment of the intensity of God, it was actually involving on a certain level the removal of light. God's light was removed to a certain degree to make room, to have a void, relatively speaking, for creation to occur within that void. Because if the light retained its complete absoluteness, there'd be no space for creation. It would be overwhelmed by God, because all there is is God, and that's taking up all the space. So we needed a removal of some of God's light to create a space where creation could be formed. So similarly, this contraction of the beam of God's light that's vested within the soul level of the divine attributes is similar to this primordial contraction. It's not just a diminishment. It's actually a removal of some of the light. Because that's necessary to ultimately have these vessels that on one hand are complete God and on one hand, complete oxymoron, are finite. Now these souls, getting back to the souls, the souls of the world of being, and we said within the world of being, they're, they're divinity. They share the characteristics of godliness. They're not detached entities. Even when they come into a physical world, which of course is so far from that reality, it says that the souls of the early saints didn't undergo a change. They didn't become separated from godliness. And that's why, as explained in the Zohar, the most fundamental work of Kabbalistic thought, that such a soul, soul from the world of being, it would leave the body before the person could sin. Because sin causes a gap, a separation between the soul and the godliness. Because the sin is causing that that soul level that derives from this high spiritual world of being to withdraw. It can't handle that. Similarly, the Rebbe said, we can also apply this concept to the thousands and myriads of worlds that are in the term here in the Aramaic is the skull of the level of God beyond the normal world of being, the will of God as it's found within the crown, higher than the world of being, and the divine attributes in the world of being in their emotive aspect. Now, what this is referring to here, which is obviously this very Kabbalistic reference, when we're saying here about thousands and myriads of worlds, we're not talking about actual worlds. We're talking about very rarefied spiritual degrees, letters, that descend all the way from the world of being to the lowest world, to the world of descent, to the world of Asiya, 
And in the world of descent, there is some type of creation of something from all these thousands and myriads of letters. Some type of world is being created. So these creative beings that come about from these letters are separate entities. The letters are divinity. We're only calling them worlds in relationship to the skull from which they emanate. So here we see again this idea that on one hand, their source is divinity, but in their lower fashion, as they've emerged to become, so to speak, worlds, they're separate. They're substance. They don't have that quality of being divinity anymore. So if we would compare this to what's in the world of being, some things in the world of being we're saying are substance. The chambers of the world of being are substance. The bodies of the angels of the world of being are substance. The souls of the angels, conversely, and the souls are not there's complete notification to one with the third of the universe. So similarly, these worlds, like we're talking about here, that are emerging from these spiritual energies, are not worlds in a way of substance. They are divinity. And when we say divinity, we don't mean actual divinity. We don't mean God. Meaning we don't mean that the soul of an angel or the soul of man could create something from nothing. That ability to create something from nothing is exclusively God. Since the vessels of the divine attribute of the world of being are utterly united with the infinity of God, they're a conduit for this creation of something from nothing. But the angels and the souls of man, they're not this at all. They can't serve in this capacity at all. Because they're separate. In other words, the divine attributes and the vessels of the divine attributes never separated. They're actually fused with God. They have no independent reality. And that's why God's infinity can flow and work through them. But the souls of the angels or the souls of men emerged. They became separated from the vessels of the ten divine attributes of the world of being, within which is invested that beam of light from the infinity of God. So since they're so they're still considered divinity and not substance, but they don't have those characteristics of God anymore, like unique to God, the idea of creating something from nothing. Now, a person could have a question. If we're saying that the real power of creation is God's, why does God invest himself in the vessels of the divine attributes. What's he gaining? What's causing creation there isn't the vessels. It's, it's the God that's within those vessels. So why bother? So the Rebbe explains that being within those vessels is significant because it enables the infinity of God to create a finite substance. Since the infinity of God is infinite, any beings that would result from it would also be infinite. But since that infinite light has fused with the vessels of the ten divine attributes, which are finite, 
We can have creation, which is a product of infinity, being created as finite beings in, in the merit that this infinite light has invested in the finite vessels of these ten divine attributes of the world of being. And that's the advantage. Because ultimately, we want the creations to be finite. And for that, we need the infinity of God invested and fused within the finite-like vessels of the divine attributes of the world of beings.